Help us remember that we are in this together, that our church here is not the only church. We are not the only believers. There are many believers in this church and we're all, or in this world, and we're all accomplishing the same goal. Your name be magnified. Help us remember that so we can pray for our missionaries. We can pray for the Christians and pray for more Christians to come about. That people will come to know you. And again, thank you so much for this rain. To remember that you are good to people who are not good. We don't deserve it. But yet you send the rain on the just and the unjust. Simply because of your love and your grace for your good. Bless us now as we come to your word. Help us repent of our sins. If there's anything inside that we're holding on to, not letting go, or pretending that's not there, or maybe not even realizing, reveal it to us so we can repent of it and flee from it, clinging to the cross to know that it's been forgiven in Christ. God, we're good at justifying our sin. And yet you are so gracious to cover our sin. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today we're continuing our series of looking at the armor of God. So our title today is Suit Up Part 2, and we're going to look at chapter 6, verse 15. Now, in a, in a quick overview for our context, each armor piece that Paul here is, that, that is Paul is going over, ultimately, it's Christ for us through faith in him alone. That's what all the armor pieces point to. Or, or put differently, this whole armor of God, which God provides for us, is just us going to Jesus by faith for everything. A constant pursuit in growing dependent upon Christ for our identity, our source of strength, our security, our source of all that we are, with all that we have, and all that we do. Because without Christ, ultimately, we have nothing. But with Christ, we ultimately have everything we need in this life. So to put it bluntly, Christ is our everything now by faith in him alone. And by going over each piece of armor, Paul is, this is Paul's way of describing what Christ being our everything looks like on a very practical level in our, in our, in our life. And Paul has been very detailed in describing these armor pieces so that we can learn by faith to rely upon Jesus and his finished works and his power in everything. Even with the smallest and most mundane things in our lives. For this is not only on how we are called to live. I mean, that's how we're called to live ultimately right now is all by faith in Jesus with everything. So that's one reason why he's been going over this. But there's also another reason. There's an evil force out there that's doing its best to distract you or really stop you from living in such a way to go to Jesus and rely upon him for everything by faith. And this evil power is trying to accomplish this by whatever means necessary. Nothing, absolutely nothing is off limits in your life. This these evil forces, which is basically Satan and his evil minions, they are working night and day through their influence of this world so that you pursue sin in all things more and more and not the glory of God through trusting in Jesus alone, but trusting in yourself. For example, I'm just going to give you an example to see how nothing is off limits. 
I hope you realize, but if you don't, now you're going to. Do you realize that I, as a pastor, I need the whole armor of God every day, all the time, as I prepare my sermons? For through the world's influence, by Satan's ways, do you realize that he can influence my motives as to why I work on my sermons, for example, and prep them? His influence can come in such a way that I prepare my sermons so that I will be liked by you. So that my motive is based in the hope, my motive is based in the hope that you will think that I'm a good pastor. Becoming enslaved into looking for your approval of me and thinking I'm a great preacher. Becoming in bondage to running after popularity amongst you, to be well-liked by you. That's Satan's goal for me every week. That I build my identity in what you think of me rather than what Christ has called me and made me to be, a proclaimer of his word for his glory alone and not my own. Now, it's awesome if you think good things about me. Right? I don't want to be a bad preacher. I don't want to be a horrible pastor. I don't want to be disliked by my church. But that should never be my goal, my drive, or preparation throughout the week. It's all for Christ and his glory alone. But if I don't go to Christ by faith for everything in my whole life, with everything I have and am, I can easily fall prey into such enslavement to man and, being, and begin to live in fear of man, which is just exhausting and sinful and of no use to anyone but Satan himself and his kingdom of darkness. But I bring myself up as an example, and I use myself as an example, because again, no one then is off limits, not even me, whose whole life is solely dedicated to studying the word and praying for hours upon hours every day. Satan's influence is always around me. But not just me. You too. I mean, you have to realize that you too can also live enslaved to finding approval and being well-liked by those around you. To be thought of in high regards in who you are and and by the people that know you and become enslaved to their perceived thoughts about you. I mean, we, I mean, put it this way. We can become enslaved and exhausted in pursuing such things as trying to be a great spouse, trying to be a great parent or grandparent, trying to be a great worker, a great employer, a great student, a great neighbor, or even a great church member. Whatever the case, Satan can use whatever position you are in to enslave you, to work from this sinful motive, to find your ultimate source of well-being and identity of who you are and your security of who you are with the people around you so that you are enslaved to what they think of you and live for their glory of you rather than God's glory. Some of you are like, well, I don't care what people think. 
okay, so the very opposite. That you don't care what other people think at all and end up being disrespectful, cold, and apathetic to the people around you. That's the opposite. So then you become enslaved and emotional, or enslaved to emotional and mental solidarity and become the main source of problems with the people in your life. Because you live for your own glory rather than God's glory with the people around you. And life is truly centered on you and not Christ at the expense of everyone else's well-being because it's all about your well-being and I don't care about you. Satan will use whatever, whatever, no one's off limits, to cause you to pursue sin rather than pursuing the glory of God through trusting in Christ with everything. That means trusting in his ways, everything. Satan wants you to do it all on your own, in your own, in your own power, create your own little kingdom of sand so that he can come and watch you stress out, freak out, get angry about how all the waves of his hardship are coming in, the temptations are coming in and breaking down your kingdom. And you end up living in frustration because you just can't seem to fix the mess that you made or others are making in your life. What's wrong with people? Now, so you don't get me wrong or or misunderstand me. I'm not saying it's bad to want people to like you. And it's not bad to not worry about if people like you or not. What I am saying is that both of those things, through Satan's influence, can lead you to enslavement to sin. Lead you to an obsession of personal glory from the people around you or an obsession of self-glory irrelevant of the people around you rather than Christ. So the idea then is that this gospel message of grace through faith in Christ we then have been freed from the world to freedom in the world. Freed to live out the freedom by letting Christ through his word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, direct and empower and sustain and define how we go about our lives in this world. So how do we live as parents with our kids when they're stressing us out and not listening at all, but back-talking? We go to the Lord. How should we drive our cars, interacting with the people on the freeway during the rain that drive like maniacs? Go to the Lord. How should we steward our money and what we give to him and what we save and what we buy for ourselves? Go to the Lord. How should we view our hobbies and and how we're to interact with those who we're gathering with when those hobbies become very consuming of our time because it seems like it's the only thing that's making progress in our life? We go to the Lord. How should we deal with the uncertainties of life and the trials that come our way and deal, and deal with our bodies that are breaking down and deal with all the pain of it all? We go to the Lord. Noticing a trend? This whole idea of the armor of God is to point those things out. We go to the Lord with everything because if we don't, we will fall into sin. Not you might, you will. And that's Paul's main point of this last part of chapter 6. He wants us to see how powerful our true foe is. 
and how great of his influence is and always is around you. We cannot outwit, we cannot outmuscle, you cannot protect yourself from the influence of Satan and his ways with anything on your own. We must go to the Lord. And for our context, we must take up the whole armor of God. So let's look then at the text. Let's see what Paul has to say. So in connection with verse 14, where he says, Stand therefore, he continues in verse 15, which is our text. Stand therefore, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And this, and this statement then is really interesting because notice, it's not just saying, put on the armor of shoes, but notice what is pointed out as to what these shoes then represent for you and I. It's not just obvious protection, right, which is there, but the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And this brings us to our first point. You already have peace. Think of it this way. Paul is saying that the armor has freed you to be real because you have peace. It has freed you to not try and pretend that you have a controlling grasp upon this thing called life so you can get or go get or establish peace. You have it already. It has freed you from trying to control everything around you and the people around you to have this perfect outcome of what you want in life so you can get peace in your life. You have it already in Christ. This armor frees you from this worry of the future. It frees you from the worry of your past. It frees you from the worry of the present. Because you have peace. So put it on. Put it on. This readiness of the gospel of peace has freed you to look at your life, to look at this world and everyone else's life around you right now and see it as it truly is and not get caught up in it to try to fix it in a way to give you peace in a sense of, of just that peace in your soul. You have the peace in Christ. You don't have to exhaust yourself in trying to convince yourself to be positive or to look for the positive in something out there to get peace. You don't have to beat yourself up and not trying to be negative so you can have peace. You don't have to you don't even have to stress yourself out and figuring what is the most pragmatic way of viewing something in your life because you have the answer already. You have Christ. You have peace. But if you forget that you have peace, you forget those shoes, what happens then in the end when you forget you already have these shoes of peace You make life or the situation all about you because you're looking for a way of personal comfort or security in processing everything on your own and you can't do it. You will never find a true footing to stand on so that you can be ready to deal with life circumstances on your own to get true peace only by going to Christ, essentially. 
Because if you do that, if you try to do it all on your own, you end up focusing on yourself alone, which brings no peace at all, but just allows satanic influences to take a hold of you because you're letting his influence promote you to grow more and more dependent on your ways of handling or coping with things on your own without Christ. He applauds it. Good job. Which is, that's Satan's goal. Don't go to Jesus and what he has already provided for you to forget that you're already ready. Forget those shoes of readiness of peace. Forget about those peaceful shoes. Go get something better to bring you peace to your soul. That's what Satan wants. So we end up doing things alone without Jesus to cope with our problems, and it just leads to more issues in our life. Like going on a shopping spree when we're down, but financially we can't afford it, and you just cause more problems. We end up vegging out, watching some funny media to uplift our spirits, but in the end it promotes lustful or evil thoughts. We end up going to our hobbies to drown out the frustrations of the people all around us, but we're just suppressing our issues rather than forgiving the people who caused them. Or we take out our anger for our own mistakes by blaming others for our own problems rather than asking God to change our hearts. We harshly criticize and critique and point out the faults in others in our lives to make us feel smart, to make us feel like we have some power or some significance or even some control over something rather than just asking God to empower us to serve the people around you for his glory. See, falling into such things, we think we will get true peace, but we don't. And what we do in the end is we end up creating divisions and hardships that disrupt, that disrupt our lives and others even more. Why? Because we're looking for or trying to obtain peace that the world nor can we provide on our own. We forget that we all ready are ready through Christ to handle such things. Just need to go to him. See, Satan and his ways will always say that they can give you peace, but they never do. They will never give us true peace that we're longing for in our souls. To know that things will just end up okay for us in the end. But here's the good news. Paul is saying here that you have been freed from all of that. You just need to realize it. More by faith in Jesus, which is why he says in the last part of verse 15, given by the gospel of peace, which brings us to our second point. Dwell on the peace you have. See, the main idea is that we combat Satan and the world's influence upon us that creates the disruption and chaos in our life by understanding the gospel truth the true peace we now have with God Almighty. That's the focus. We are to grow by faith in learning about God, how He is on your side now through faith in Christ, understanding that His favor and His blessing and His care is fully upon you, and that there's nothing you can do to lose it or mess it up. 
For Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not, let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know what he's getting at here? He says, we have eternal peace with God now because of what Jesus has done for us through faith in him. And unlike the world where peace is dependent upon you alone, Christ has done everything to maintain and keep and place that peace upon us between us and God. All through faith in him. All of our sins are forgiven now. We are fully justified before God and we have been fully restored to God and we have been fully adopted as his children now forever to be cared by him all by faith. That's it. There is true peace between you and God right now if you have faith in Christ. No matter how great or small that faith is, you have peace with God. It will not be lost. It will not be taken away at all, even by your sin. Whether that's the worst sin that's coming, you don't even realize it, or your current struggles of sin right now. For you did not earn your peace. You did nothing to merit that peace. And you can do nothing to keep that peace all between you and God. Christ did it all. And you receive it fully through faith in him. So by resting in that peace and dwelling on that peace, that peace you have, that will drastically have consequences then for us in our life, which brings us to our last point. Realize peace is your weapon. See, we can say to the world, for us as Christians then, we have peace. True peace in our life now because of Jesus and his works on our behalf through faith in him alone. Which means we are no longer dependent for peace on winning. We are no longer dependent on peace or trying to obtain peace by trying to come out on top. Our goal is not about succeeding in this world so that we can have peace in our life, have peace in our relationships, or have peace in our families. My peace, your peace, is not dependent on that. But rather, it's all about trusting in Jesus alone with everything for everything then to glorify him alone. That's where the peace comes from. For we now understand that we have peace, true, true peace with God. And no matter then how hard we lose in this life, no matter how much we fall behind in this world, no matter how much we mess up in our life, our goal is not about success. Because we know that will never bring peace. Our goal is to glorify God with whatever circumstances that come and with whomever we interact with. God be the glory, even if that means I suffer, even if that means things break. Because we know 
that God's love and care and blessing over us will never leave us. For we have peace with Him and He does not deal with us or bless us or care for us according to our imperfect obedience to His laws. But He deals with us simply according to His grace, simply through faith in Christ. We are at peace with Him, and we know that our end is with Him in heaven. And He's working all things for our good in Him, even our failures. That's peace. That doesn't mean you're not going to be distraught. It just means you know where to go to help you get through that distraughtness. His peace. And guess, guess what? By dwelling on that peace that you have with God, irrelevant then of all your emotions and whatever's going on, it enables, it enables you then to freely and honestly and more specific to the context, peacefully interact with the things around us, interact with the circumstance around us, and more directly interact with those who are in our lives. You don't have to hide anything. See, we're called to fight the spiritual war by giving and standing in and declaring the peace of the gospel in our lives now. I guess you can look at it this way. We are to look to Christ by faith, for in him we are ready to face anything in the spiritual battle around us. Because we are now living in true peace with God. And we know true peace exists over us because of Jesus. So in essence, when someone comes at you and says, have at you, you scoundrel! You and I don't need to get all defensive and all caught up in their rude or even hurtful remarks or even behavior. But rather we can now seek peace with the person in front of you. Because the war is not ultimately with them. The war has already been won in Christ. So there might be a little battle or confrontation in front of you, but we can say, my friend, <laughs> there's peace. We don't have to make peace it's already here in Christ. Just go to Him. That means you too, you go to Him. Follow His ways of handling things. See, our goal is not to destroy the person in front of you, but rather to gain them on our side through peace. For your opponent, however they approach you, is not a true opponent but is now rather a real potential brother or sister in Christ. Or 
they may already be a brother and sister in Christ, right? They already are a Christian. And they just need to be reminded of such. That, hey, we're already at peace. Why are we fighting? We can work through this. But whatever the case, the evil one does not want you to see that, acknowledge that, but he wants you to see them as a true enemy. He wants division, separation, chaos, disruption, factions, isolation, and division again and again and again. All he cares is about division and getting you isolated. That's it. Anything but peace. But when you put on these shoes of the gospel of peace, you, peace, you cannot but help remember that Christ came to establish peace among men and unto God through his death and resurrection. And rather than Jesus seeking your destruction, you who were his enemy, he sought your adoption into his family forever so you can have peace with him and his Father, the Holy Spirit, and peace with his family. For again, the real enemy was Satan and his influence. And Christ freed you from him through offering you his peace, which he established and obtained upon the cross. So in turn then, it is this peace that we offer to those who already believe and his peace we offer to those who don't believe. We disarm the people around us and ultimately disarm the evil one's power and influence in our life with the gospel of peace. Which is really simply saying, keep your eyes upon Christ in whatever circumstance, with whomever, whoever you're facing. Make much of Jesus and what he has accomplished. Make much of Christ's freedom that he gives. Make much of his peace with which you are now under and have in your life. So when the people's finger come pointing at you, you in turn direct their focus to Christ so they can see his peace that he has accomplished for you and offers them. Or maybe, Christian, when your own finger comes and points at you and doubt is running in, and you begin to think that you're too far gone from God's love and his forgiveness and his peace. And you begin to think maybe he's at war with you because of what is going on in your life. Maybe you did something wrong and now he's angry with you because you messed up. You said you loved him. But recently your life hasn't been revealing that because you've been dealing with something else. And you're saying, hi, where is my love? Maybe God doesn't love me anymore. Maybe I just messed up too much. I whatever, whatever that is that you're dealing with, Christian, stand in the shoes of peace, which is the gospel. Remember what has been done for you. You. And that God through faith in Christ is at peace with you. And you can do nothing to lose it. You can't lose it. Why? Christ has won. He has won peace for you, the sinner. And God loves sinners. And he's going to bring you down.
And that's never going to go. It's never going to disappear. That's his promise. That's why we believe. Because of his promises. Not because of what I do, but because of what has been done. For now, through faith in Christ, all things are working out for our good in him. So we can have true peace in all things. For we know in the end, all will be okay because our end is with him. And that's what gives us peace in this world. So let us go to him now to pray, to ask for him to remind us of that peace. You can pray with one of the deacons that come up. You can come pray here, pray wherever you're at. But let me give you encouragement. Pray for him to remind you of peace. Through whatever struggle you're going through, remember there is peace and he's going to bring you through it. He is with you in that storm, as the old saying goes. Father, we come before you now asking for your reminder that you are with us, that we have peace with you, and we can know that no matter how many times we are beaten up, thrown to the curb, that things are breaking around, people's discouragements are coming, that maybe even discouragements coming out of our own mouth, that we can rely upon the truth of your gospel by trusting in you. We are at peace with you and you are working it for our good in you. Remind us, Lord, that sometimes that maybe we're not hearing you or feeling you, that it's in the silence that you're doing your greatest work and the cross was the proof that for three days there was silence, there was nothing, and yet you were redeeming a people, you were redeeming us. Remind us of that, Lord. Remind us of that truth. And if there's someone here that doesn't know you today, I pray that today be the day they come to know you and know that there is peace And they'll repent of their sins and just trust in you. And that for all of us, Lord, that we too can repent of our sins and just trust in you, knowing that you got us and you're never going to let us go. And the proof is the cross that you love sinners. You loved us before we had any love for you. Thank you for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.